This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. I don't want to sleep Just to wake and find you've gone Resting reaps a rage As your silent fingers on An empty hole replaces The absent kiss upon my Welcome, 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 welcome back. I mean, actually, I should be welcoming myself back. I mean, don't you think so? Because it's been way too fucking long. Yeah, been a little busy. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the fucking podcast. Here we are. And it's spring. I mean, it is really spring here. It's I'm looking out right now at my coral tree in my backyard, and uh, I have to say that most days when I'm on the deck these last few weeks looking out at the coral tree, uh, it's like a Disney movie between the hummingbirds and the monarch butterflies. I feel like uh, some bluebirds are going to come by any moment and put a fucking ribbon in my hair, if you know what I mean. I mean, that's how cool and joyful it is, even though we have no water. I mean, we have water, but it's just there's not a lot of it left. So the garden is getting watered sparingly. We need to keep the coral tree alive. 
we need to, to keep some of the plants alive. But we are uh, drought tolerant here in the Carlin McCall backyard here in the polymind commune. We are drought tolerant because Bob and I, we're not assholes. We don't believe in lawns. Okay, we have a front lawn, but it's a very small front lawn. And we'll be digging it up soon because our local utility will be giving us $3.85 per square foot to dig up our lawn. So uh, lawns will be a thing of the past in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm okay with it. I really am. I like the Xeriscape look. That's what they call it, the Xeriscape. I like having the native plants and the crushed granite and the kind of the Zen garden. We're going to do that with the front. Um, But I fear for the people who don't know want those things and are just going to put gravel in their front yard. It's really the most depressing thing ever. The first time I went to Sun City with Bob to visit his parents out in Riverside County here in L.A., they lived in a retirement community. It was really a, I think it's like a 60 plus or 55 plus kind of community. There's no kids. Uh, And because it's in the desert out there in the Riverside County, Everyone's lawns were colored gravel, and um, I basically felt there was no soul at all uh, left there, and and there really wasn't. It's Riverside, people. Uh, I know I've just pissed off at least four people who listen to me from Riverside, but you people know what I'm talking about. The cool Riverside people know what I'm talking about with the soullessness out there. Um, there is obviously some soul there. But uh, yes, yeah, so we're uh, we're watering the plants sparingly, and we've put little um, things on all of our showers so we can turn the water off after we put the shampoo in our hair. Because I I have a lot of white guilt, and so I need to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to undo the frighteningly amount of horrific damage my Anglo-Saxon ancestors have done to the planet in the last. 3,000 years, uh, including destroying the environment. So so that's it. That's spring. But we do have we do have butterflies and hummingbirds. They are still here. The planet is not completely roasted yet. And uh, as we know, yesterday was tax day. I hope everyone got their taxes done and is getting a really big check from the government. Uh, you know, because that's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like birthday time. You know, you kind of get a little back, you know, if you're smart, and they take some money out of your account, they always take a little too much. So you get some money back. Because it's the only way I know that my husband and I know how to put anything in a savings account, because who knows how to fucking do that? They always say pay yourself first, right? I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's gonna happen. No, you're supposed to put money aside for yourself, and then you put money aside for your taxes, and then and then you pay the rest of your life with that. Yeah, it doesn't seem to work that way, especially since the recession seven years ago. I mean, who's really been able to fucking put any money away? Zero. So basically what happens is the, the tax check comes back, and that doesn't even go in savings because that goes to pay some down, some freaking credit card bill, right? You know, because you spent too much money on that vacation in Hawaii that you knew you really couldn't afford, but you absolutely had to have because you're so depressed about the state of the world. This is the roller coaster or carousel or whatever the fuck it is that we were all stuck on. Uh, I know, I'm in a mood today, and I've just returned. I don't know what to say. Um, a lot of things are really good, but um, with this drought, it's like, oh shit, the planet really is fucking dying. We are so fucked. Oh my God. <sighs> and even though a woman is going to run for president, is running for president, um, not sure things are going to change much anyway.
that's a whole nother topic. We'll save that for another day. Um, <clears throat> so taxes, spring, um, and, and, but here's the good news of this week. And it's, it's kind of an obnoxious brag good news, but um, I got to go to Fleetwood Mac the other night. I have to tell you, uh, like the best 120 bucks I have spent in a long time. First of all, when you go to fucking buy tickets at a concert, you're like, what the fuck? I mean, like the cheapest ticket I got. I wasn't talking nosebleed, nosebleed tickets. I mean, those were probably like 75. I mean, I was willing to kind of be towards the stage a bit, but still up a bit. 120 bucks at the fabulous form. Must say, fabulous form is still fabulous. If you people in LA know what I'm talking about, we all grew up going to the fabulous form, seeing every amazing rock band in the 70s and 80s come through the fabulous form. And then a church bought it, turned into a church for a while. Uh, then these lovely people bought it back. And it's really great. It, everything's great about it. <clears throat> but um, so I thought, okay, I'm willing to spend 120 bucks on the ticket. And the $30 in taxes and fees that goes with it. So it ends up being 150 bucks, as we know. Uh, but I have to tell you, uh, not only is it worth it because Fleetwood Mac's worth it. I'll get to that for a moment. But now that I am trying to figure out if I'm going to take my solo show on tour, I see how much things cost when you go on tour. I now understand <laughs> why these huge rock bands who have all of these musicians, all of this lighting – all of this equipment, um, this shit is not cheap to fucking move from city to city. I get it. You're paying some people top dollar to do all of that. And of course, yes, the rock stars are getting paid money too, and a lot of it. But um, but it's, I, I for certain bands, it's totally worth it. So I bought this ticket for Fleetwood Mac because I'd never seen them in the 70s or the 80s. And Fleetwood Mac music was my losing virginity music. I mean, you know... 78, 79, 80, 81, those were my high school years. I lost my virginity during some part of that era. And, you know, I mean, the, the Fleetwood Mac album was out and Rumors was out and we all knew every single word to every single song. And um, so I had to go. I had to see them, knowing that they were coming around to L.A. again. And who knows if they'll ever come around again. I mean, really, because they're all older people. <laughs> but I have to tell you, fucking Stevie Nicks, she she doesn't look her age at all. And if she's had some work done, she's had some very good work done because you could not tell. But her energy, she is so alive. She So I was sitting there and it, it hit me before they even came on. It was like, oh, my God, Stevie Nicks is going to be on stage. She's actually coming out. And... I wasn't obsessed, obsessed with Stevie Nicks. Now, my gay best friend, Robert, in high school, he was obsessed with Stevie Nicks. I think he wanted to be Stevie Nicks. But and I I didn't really get I mean, I, I loved her and I thought her, her allure was amazing. But now that I'm a woman of a certain age, something about her owning, she owns a pocket of the feminine that not a lot of other rock stars own. You know, she's the witchy woman. She's the goddess. She's kind of plugged into the alchemy with her spinning, her spinning and her shawls and her layers and that voice and that haunting poetic voice she has. And there's just a juiciness about her. And she was so alive on stage and she was so Stevie. And 
And here's the thing, and I know some people get pissed at me for this, and I get it because in some ways it's not a nice thing to say. But when I saw Madonna, was it on the Grammys? I think it was on the Grammys. And I saw Madonna come out, and she's five years older than me, so she's 57, which, you know, and she's the woman who, like, liberated me sexually. So Madonna was a huge, huge part of my building of my psyche. But when I saw Madonna do what Madonna did at the Grammys, I just felt like... there's some sort of 50 woman 50s woman power that she's not claiming and she's still trying to be the 20s woman or the 30s woman and I know that sounds ageist and it sounds sexist but being a woman in my 50s I don't know I just couldn't relate to what Madonna was doing when I saw Stevie Nicks she's a woman who she's ageless that's what it is she's ageless and yet she holds the youth of a woman, the beauty and the just the freshness of a woman, but there was some sort of powerful fucking crone wisdom in that woman um, that was way more impactful to me than than seeing Madonna in some sort of skinny, strappy thing. You know, I, I don't know. And I'm not a woman who wears skinny, strappy things. So maybe that's it too. So we'll need to have a discussion with this. Maybe Katie Goodman, who might be here next week or the following week, we're going to have a talk with her about feminism. But um, so Stevie was amazing. So Stevie was great. And then I've always been a fan of Lindsay Buckingham. And um, I mean, like some of his songs were always favorites of mine. But I had no fucking idea the power of Lindsay Buckingham on stage. Uh, I mean, this is the thing about Fleetwood Mac, five very, very unique personalities. Um, And Lindsay, there is a fire and a passion and a, and um, a freedom in him that was so inspiring and so raw. He put every emotion he left it all on the stage we've talked about that here before leaving it all on the stage I mean they all did in their own way but he fucking unzipped himself and left every emotion on that stage and what a fucking guitar player I really didn't I I, you know I wasn't in I wasn't the girl who was like into guitar riffs as a kid so I like sure you heard them in the songs but oh my god this man can fucking wail on the guitar and he did and uh very uh, authentic vulnerability that's Lindsay Buckingham that's all I can say you know and then of course there was um Christine McVie which um you know, they had to pull her out of her little agoraphobic shell in order to come out on the road. And she's so, she's so graceful and elegant and polite and lovely. And, um, and so it's just such a fun little mixture of people and so happy she's there because their family was back. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But Mick Fleetwood, he is like, Mick Fleetwood is the childlike ringmaster that, um, He's got to be the, he must have been the most fun dad or crazy dad. I don't know. Probably crazy. He was a drunk, Uh, but really fun. He brought his grandchildren out on stage at the very end. It was really lovely. And, um, but the most beautiful thing about the whole concert was a, okay, the music, right? Every, they played for three hours. These people played for three fucking hours. Every song you can imagine. There was not a song 
left unsung, I believe. I couldn't think of one leaving. There was a couple of Stevie Nicks songs that I wanted to hear, but they didn't do Stevie Nicks solo stuff. But what the best thing was, was that here was a group of people, a creative group of people who had come up when they were young, had all been dating each other. That's a recipe for disaster. Got a huge amount of success, did a huge amount of drugs, all went fucking crazy, all ended up hating each other, all went separate ways, all survived that, all got healthy, all found themselves, all healed themselves, and then came together and healed their relationships. And here they are now, 35, 40 years later, on stage, loving each other in every single moment, being so present to and so grateful for what they get to do now in their lives that they're all here and they're all back together. I mean, I can't tell you how many times each one of them said thank you to the audience. They were just and you could see Lindsay Buckingham really standing there and taking it in. And LA is their hometown crowd. A lot of them live in LA and have lived in LA for decades. So their friends and family were in the audience too. And so it was kind of like, you felt like you were in their, in their territory and with their family and friends hanging out with them while they were playing the music and feeling the joy of it all. So it was, it just all in all, it was an amazing experience. Um, and so if they're coming your round your way, which I think they're in Oklahoma this weekend, um, it's worth it. If this is a bucket list band for you, you got to go. Absolutely got to go. And I'm not making a goddamn dime off of that. <laughs> you got to go. It's worth it there. It's a great show. You'll get every single bit of your, your money's worth. And they've got great t-shirts too, which is good. This is important. They have good swag. So, um, so anyway, welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, I've got um, a guest today, my dear friend, my sister, Rain Pryor, is uh, going to come up next and she's going to call, we're calling her and uh, having a short conversation about um, this fabulous new thing she did, a comedy album. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> your eyes you know i'm game whenever you come out to play it's the pull of you that makes my waters rise heaving waves of falling ashes and i'm dying all the time as i walk out onto the wet and mossy ground i'm heeding the unknown and drinking in the sound Standing in one place It's the pull of you That makes my waters rise Heaving waves of falling ashes And I'm dying all the time I remember nights who used to comfort me Singing Melvin Colley tunes The only star that you could see Reflecting your blue hue And now I'm back again Sky. 
So next we have our guest for this week, which is, she's pretty much a regular on this show. In fact, I think the last time I posted a show, she was on it uh, with uh, Lori Buckley. Uh, but, you know, she's a sister, so that's why she's here. And because I haven't done a show in so long, I figured I needed to ease back into the process. I need someone that I can just talk to that, you know, is just family. So... Uh, I've invited Rain Pryor to join us here today. Hey, Rain. Hi, Kelly. Hey, honey girl. <laughs> Hi. Hi, sis. What's up? Oh, you know, it's California. It's April. We have no water. We're all going to die. Basically, yeah. And, <laughs> and the ground's shaking lately, so that's good. <laughs> yes, we had a nice little... Uh, a big like well it was it was probably about a mile from my house the epicenter so uh wow yeah we felt it here uh it was fun i had to grab stella and be like it's Aww. it's okay it's just the earth moving <laughs> right right it's normal right. it's perfectly normal darling you'll be fine yeah. you'll be fine but yes things are good things are good and this is my first show in a gazillion and a half years because I've been well, very good. Very Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it feels good to be back in the driver's seat here. And uh, and I was like, oh, I need to make this show easy on me. So what do I do? Oh, I call Rain. That's right. Nice. That's <laughs> Yay. Yes, exactly. Let's ease back in. Yes, ease back in. And, but I really have a real purpose to call you because you be doing some shit, girl. I've been trying, you know, I've been trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that you have been trying and succeeding at is you just released your very first comedy album. I know. Isn't that retarded? I don't, and I don't mean it in the retarded kind of way. But yes. <laughs> Which if you need to hear more about, Rain talks about on her album, by the way. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's just, I can't believe it, Kel. I'm like, what the heck just happened? What did I do? Yeah, yeah. And there are no take back. There are no take back. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I stepped into this realm. I really have literally now really stepped into it. You really, really have. You can't pretend yeah. like you're hiding or you're just pretending or um yeah. you're you know but obviously you're an artist and you're evolving and still figuring it all out but yes. at the same time yes. this yeah yes. it's official girl it's official you know it is and I like I look I think for you know just like with everyone they have like their they first come out and they have their thing and then you, you watch them over the years and they grow and they grow and I feel like you know this is this is that thing where it's like all right after after about seven years in, this is appropriate, and now let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seven years from now. What's the next, if I do the next album, what what will that be? <laughs> what will I be saying then? You know? What was it about this moment that it was like, okay, I'm, I'm shitting or getting off the pot? <laughs> I think that's what it was. Hmm. I think that's exactly what it was. Like, I just have to jump into the ring. Yeah. I just have to jump and not care yes. and not care what anyone thinks or what their judgment is. It's like, I'm not trying to be this thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm 
this is this is that those pair of skates that you put on and you you're like I'm not you know I'm not going to join the roller derby right. but then you find yourself at least in one right and you're like okay I did that yeah you know, that's what this is yeah like, okay I did it great you know yeah <laughs> yeah I, I and and, and it, I'm. It, I'm proud of myself. I'm like, okay, I conquered something. Yeah, and you should regardless. be. You should be proud of yourself because it's it's you know what it is. It's a great. It's a you know you get to know. It's really fun because I know you in so many different hats and in so many different ways. Right. And listening to the album for me, it was like, okay, this is Rain knows the platform she has. She knows what it is, and this is you playing in the sandbox with it all. Yep. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. So, yeah, so this is rain playing. And it it's, it's so beautiful, because your your mind, your heart, your soul, your, um, you know, your, your nasty, your, your opinions, your, your everything is explored in here. And it's really, really fun to witness. Thank you. Thanks. Kelly Carlin. <laughs> You're very, very <laughs> welcome. You know, yeah, because that's, you know, that's what it is. That's where I'm at. This is where I'm at at the moment. And so that's, you know, for me, just, you know, it's like when you listen, when I listen to dad's albums, which is great because, you know, David Rosen's the same person who recorded my dad's first album. Yes. So it's like, that's what I feel. And so I'm, I'm at the beginning thing of, of who Rain is and the things she wants to talk about and say, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily that I ever want to be political, but it's like I just I want to just I like talking, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. it's more like you know, come to my living room, you would hear me say pretty much the same kinds of things. A hundred percent. That is absolutely yeah. what I got to. It was like hanging out with you for 45 minutes. It's exactly what right. it was. Yes. Right. Yes. You and, know, and that's what I want. It's like, that's my personality. That's who I am. And hopefully someone somewhere will hear it somehow and be like, you know what? She needs her own show because we need someone like that. Yeah. You know, because, and to what I like about it, Keller, is there isn't a black girl doing this. It's either very, you either have to be very urban or very this. Yep. And I'm none of that. So I'm like, hey, it's like, you know, when you draw your own pathway, it's my own canvas. Yeah. And I have no expectation other than to keep showing up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's 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 really cool because that there is something interesting about that, the, the whole urban thing. It's like a box that obviously you know uh, the industry the industry always wants to put every artist in a box because that's how right. they, that's how they sell they sell boxes right. they don't sell artists right. and, and so and then for people like you and I who come from this great legacy you know there's that box that we need to step out yes. of obviously yes. and that's such i mean you and I've talked about it a gazillion times you know what a fucking path that is Yep. And and yet so there's this really interesting permission that this gives you right now because which it has always given you and it's something you've always talked about because being mixed race you're not in the black box, you're not in the Jewish box, you're in this other box and it's called Rain Prior box. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I'm oh and I think I'll always be that way. Like it's never going to change. Yeah. So well, it's about you know you either get stuck in hoping 
somehow you'll fit into whatever that is out there. Yep. Like especially, you know, you live in LA, the Hollywood thing. Yep. Or you can go, you know what, I'm going to do it this way. And everyone will tell you you're crazy. And then when you start doing it, they're like, oh, my God, she's doing it. And that's like what's happening right now. It's like, she did what? She went ahead and what? And she's still doing this? And it's like, yeah. Right. right. And I'm me. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to, you know, wear, you know, change myself around, grow a penis for a minute you know, step inside the black and white floors and pray to some, like, 500 gods. Like, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and you it, know? Absolutely. And it really is, I was just not 30 minutes ago having this conversation with Dan Pasternak. Um, uh-huh. who, yes, who was saying, you know, when he was the head of IFC programming and people would come and pitch things to him, he said the most horrible experience was being pitched to by a people pleaser. Because they were trying to be inside everyone else's brains to please them. And what came out of them was there was nothing there because, right. yeah, there was there was nothing of substance. And, and it feels like an enormous, terrifying risk to just show up as we are and not please all of these constituencies that we feel, you know, A, we have our father's fans, B, we have the business, right. C, I'm a woman, uh, I am I think comedically, but I'm not necessarily a stand-up, I'm a storyteller, I'm a singer, you know, all these right. things you have, and right. that, that we both have, and, and really having to be willing to have the courage to say, I can't please certainly can't please all of those people at the same time. So, so, right. why, so why even try? Right. But, and how, and how can I just still do what I do because I'm an artist? Yes. Yes. It's like, you know, and that's what feels, feels yeah. good about even doing this, Cal. It's like for the first time, I feel like an artist. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to, you know what I mean? Yep. Like what I love. Okay. So right before, I think it was right before the album came out, I went to Texas and I performed two shows in Texas. First time ever I've gotten standing ovation. Mm. Like, and I, I had that thing where I'm like, wow, so there is, and that's what I feel about the album. It's out and now people will come because they've heard that. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And they'll get who I am. Yep. It's like, yes, you're coming to see your friend on stage. I'm not a miserable person. I don't know why I'm doing stand-up in the first place. <laughs> you know, my life doesn't truly suck except for the dating part of it. Right. And other than that, like, I'm happy. Yeah. Like, so I want my friends there. Yeah. It's like I want to be talking to my friends for 45 minutes, having a good time, and then go home. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Abs- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think for me... This podcast has been that place for me right. where I've just shown up and said, okay, this is me. This is what I think about all day. This is how I feel like expressing myself. And it doesn't right. fit into any fucking box. And if some people show up, then cool, because I know that those are the people that are my, you know, like you say, are my friends, are the people that I want to be having this conversation with and, and are looking right. at, are looking to hear about these things and, right. and, and to receive this. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is, it's, it's such an interesting time in, in the artist's progression when one begins to say, oh, okay. I'm just going to show up now and see yeah. what happens next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
It's yeah, you it's, know, it's and so I'm, and so this is a good thing. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then I get to you know talk to one of my sisters on the phone on her podcast, but <laughs> and remember I'm on her podcast because. You're my friend. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, I'm at home at your house right now. <laughs> exactly. We're we're hanging out in the studio right now, actually. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what what else is going on? How's how is your uh dating life? How's it going, girl? You know, it sucks and that's okay. Um <laughs> I just I have not conquered it. I just have not conquered it. I recently, you know, I recently went out with this guy. He was great and then he caught this thing which I call a feeling and um <laughs> oh no not he, that yeah not that don't catch that because Ooh. they disappear once that happens Ooh, and, yes Ooh. you know I felt like I'm playing you know charades like where are you and mm. so I just was like you know what I'm just going to to just keep plowing forward with my work and my thing and when love strikes me and keep it you know, decides to stick an arrow in my ass and then along with some other <laughs> groovy gentlemen, you know. And then I've also decided maybe I need this need to aim higher, mm. you know, because I seem to date the, like, the broke white guy yeah. or broke, you know, <laughs> or, like, the black comic. And yes. so I think I just need to go a little bit higher than that and start dating, like, you have to either have a six figure or be like a celeb uh, so that uh, you don't care. Yes. Like you don't need my dad to make you famous. <sighs> like the name. Yes. You don't need to be Mrs. Pryor because you're already Jamie Foxx. Right. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's like my goal right now. I'm like, I need to meet Jamie Foxx. Like he would be perfect. I like this. I like this right? direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's the kind I'm going up a little higher. So uh-huh. that's all I'm just, you know, well, and it would fit right, and yeah. I can still be down to earth. That's what I've realized. How I can still be the down to earth me. Yes, you know, but you know, there, maybe maybe drive an SUV. I don't know, but I can still be <laughs> right. You're 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 exactly. There's something about um, knowing that you get to have the men in your the man in your life or whatever right. life situation or is. the men. Or, or the men, men right? or the men. I'll this is true. Too. This is true. Just w- at least one to start off. Just with one to start. Nice. Yeah. Just yeah. just starting yeah. the set with one. Uh, yeah. That 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 really equals your worth. You know. I mean, yeah. that's that's the complicated thing about dating is really check. It's such a mirror for who we think we are. Right now, you want to get deep on your on your thing right now. Always, always. So this is what I've realized. So for myself, for Rain. Because I just wanted to be normal, mm-hmm. I've dated, and and it doesn't mean less than who I am, by the way. I don't mean it to sound that way, but that's the only way to put it. Right. In order to feel normal. But it doesn't work because there's nothing normal about Rain Pryor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's what I started to realize. There's nothing normal about the work I do. Yeah. There's nothing normal about the people who recognize me. Yeah. And it's intimidating. It's intimidating for a man. I can hold my own. I'm a single mom. I keep it together. Yeah. You know, I do what I need to do. Even when I'm struggling, I've done what I needed to do. And that can be really intimidating because then over it, you know, you're, as you are, comedy royalty. Yeah. Yeah. And so you come with this invisible crown and you realize normal does not work for you. Yeah. It, and you it, can, and that's what I'm saying. I can still be humble. Mm-hmm. I can still be like, okay, that stuff, stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the mindset of what that creates in people is what matters. 
Yeah, absolutely. Does and that make sense? Yes, it does. And there's a big piece of that too, which is that you are a a self-realized, um, powerful woman. And that is complicated for men. And you have to find men who are so comfortable with themselves and not intimidated. And that right. and that also get the, that just because you're self-realized and powerful doesn't mean that sometimes you fall apart and need to be held or exactly, you know, or, or that you can tell a funnier dick joke than they can sometimes, you know, there's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like, there's so much to it. And so you have to right. find a man who's really secure with himself on many different yes. levels. And, yes. and that's, that's the key. And, and who knows what that'll look like on the outside and what the package of that'll be. But right. the inside of that will be someone who a is not like you said, searching for your father in your vagina. Right. <laughs> right. Just, you like that, I put that in there. One of the funniest <laughs> fucking things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also doesn't want to like rescue you because you're the single mom thing. You know, it's right. It's like you have so many different parts of who you are, and um, right. And the, you know, and yeah, you'll. You'll you'll find your equal. I have no doubt about that. But right. until then, it'll be great fodder for your stand-up. <laughs> exactly. And, it's, and that's what I love. I'm like, great, you just did, gave me material. I'm like, I'm not mad that we're, I'm not seeing Mr. Houdini who disappeared recently. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset because I'm like, wow, you just gave me great material. <laughs> I didn't know guys did. I thought girls did that, but I didn't know men really do that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Not only did your penis disappear between your legs, but you actually physically disappear. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, man, relationships are. Uh, I, you know? I, I feel so blessed that Bob and I met oh, each other. You guys are my like inspiration. Uh, the, I want yeah, a Bob. Yeah, you know, and, and I want him a call. Yeah, and. <laughs> You know, and he's so grounded and so down to earth, and he's so normal in so many ways. But he completely gets me and accepts me for who I am, and absolutely, and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, completely, completely. And uh, but yeah, I I I cannot imagine dating. I cannot. I just I'm I feel feel really so blessed that I don't have to be out there in that world. Right. And I actually, and I recently I did get asked out on a date. And I'm a cougar because I'm going out with someone way younger, like way, way, way younger than me. Uh-huh. But the way he asked me out is the reason I said yes. He called me on the phone. Actually, it, my girlfriend's introduced me. He called me on the phone. He said, I'm sorry I haven't called you this last week. I've been working. He said, I'd like to take you out to dinner. What's your favorite food? I'll pick the restaurant. And he did. Wow. He picked the restaurant. He picked the time. And so Saturday night, and I'm like, oh, it's an actual date. <laughs> You know, and it's not someone I'm going to marry. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's not like, oh, I'm going to marry him and we're going to move into the big, you know, it's like yeah. I'm going on a date. Yep. I get to dress up and drink some wine and, and have the attention of a of a boy man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How old? <laughs> That's so damn old fashioned. Your grandmother would be so proud of you. Right, isn't it? And I won't sleep with him. Exactly. Because I'm not giving up the cookie. <laughs> That's what toys are for. <laughs> Which, by the way, Lotus found in my drawer and said, Mommy, how do you turn off the purple microphone? Oh, okay <laughs> then. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking awesome. <laughs> and I was like, Lotus, it's not a microphone. Oh, my. And she's like, well, then what is it? And I'm like, it's for grown-ups. And she said, what does it do? And I said, it's a stop my past. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> what else am I going to say? 
you going to say? <laughs> So oh, I was like, my. oh, my God, I don't lie to my kid, but I don't want to tell her what it is. Yeah, yeah age-appropriate, <laughs> totally age-appropriate, yeah, because it yeah. could be used to massage your back. It's not like you've it lied. Could. You just, you just left some of the, some of the information <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Hello, listeners. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> I think I, I'm seeing in your future some sort of like Rain Pryor's Guide to Parenting. I really do. I <laughs> there will be. Oh my god, I'm doing such a better job than Dad did. Yeah. <laughs> my mom is incredible. Yes, exactly. You know. Oh my god, and you've I, met Lotus. Like I have an 84 year old, seven year old living with me. She's profound. She's yeah, profound uh, and such a prior. Truly, it's freaky. Yeah. Oh, my God. My God. So, um, so the album is black and white, and yeah. it can be found on the iTunes, a, obviously, iTunes, Amazon, and Pandora. Oh, and Pandora. They're playing you on the Pandora. Yeah. You'll yeah. get all of point zero 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 one five cents every time they play it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but at least it's something. <laughs> well, and people are getting introduced to you, and uh, yeah. that's that's fantastic. So. You're touring. What's coming up for you? Uh, and how? Wait, how's your How's your TV show going? It's good. At the moment, we've been on hiatus, so that's been great, you know. And um, so I have some tour dates. I actually am to be at the Westchester Comedy Festival. I'm going to be at Union. Um, this place called Union Station in Northampton, Massachusetts, near Smith College. So I get to see my sister. That'll be fun. My other sister. Nice. And then. Um, I have a gig that I'm actually doing with Sheba Mason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And, and Jackie, Mason, Jackie Mason's and, daughter and Don Rickles' daughter. And Don Rickles' daughter. Like, wow. how did I get involved in this? But that's on May 9th at the Kirby Center in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. Oh, man. And, um, I want to be so a fly. Be fun. I want to be a fly on the wall in that because to just to see the unique styles of all three of you and who you are on stage and right. oh that's that's fascinating and I could, that'll be fun and my solo show's making a comeback to new york i just can't say when yet oh good but it's but it is going to be this summer oh fantastic good yeah so and of course everyone can go to rainprior.com and find out where you are in these dates and yes ma'am tickets and all that great stuff good um because we want to make sure people know how to find you and go and see you and uh this is great and i will be hopefully in new york before the fall but for sure i'll be there in the fall promoting my book and uh good and i'll come to la i have to see you so there yeah you know what you you know when you have to come to la you have to come to la the weekend of july 18th 17th and 18th because that's when i'm shooting my dvd of my solo show, which has, you know, been fully realized at the Falcon Theater, the run I just did, which... Oh, uh, then I'll totally try to do that because the 16th is my birthday and that would be a great birthday present. Well, there you go. There you have it. Okay, then we're going to make a date. All right, Mamala. We're making a date. All right, everyone, go check out Rain's uh, fantastic debut comedy album, Black and White. Uh, Rain is no longer a virgin, everyone. Uh, well, clearly yeah, we know that because comic cherry. <laughs> she popped her comic cherry <laughs> and she has a purple microphone next to her bed. And <laughs> and I love you, sister. And let's talk you soon. Thank you. And thank you for coming here and uh, for having me. easing my way back into my show Yay, this week. Yes. Enjoy. I will. Thank you. Love enjoy you. Enjoy your ease. I will. Okay, love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
All right, folks, welcome back. So we had a nice little chat there with Miss Rain Pryor. And um, one of the things I mentioned uh, during our chat was my Falcon Run. What is that? What is the Falcon Run? It sounds like it should be the name of some sort of estate in the British countryside that I own. Oh, are you coming over to Falcon's Run? I think I need to name my British estate that when I get one. So where have I been? Where have, Kelly, where have you been? You may be asking. Where the fuck have you been, Kelly, is actually more what you would say to me, knowing you people. Um, I've been a little busy. Uh, so the first two months of this year, I did a play. I did my play. So the, in January, I did three weeks of rehearsal, which um, after four years of doing my solo show on and off, I think Paul and I maybe had a total of two days rehearsal. <laughs> we really did not have a lot of rehearsal during that time. We would get together and he would give me notes and then I would go off two weeks later and do something and you know, he never saw my show or anything. But anyway, so because we were at the Falcon Theater, so let me explain what the Falcon Theater is. Falcon Theater is Gary Marshall's theater in Toluca Lake in the Valley of Los Angeles. Gary Marshall, you know, Gary Marshall, oh, you know, he did things like uh, the TV show The Odd Couple. Um, oh, you know, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, you know, that guy. Uh, oh, Pretty Woman, you know, anyway, you'll have to check out my Sirius XM interview with him that I did last month. Um, just uh, a legend of everything. So he built this theater about 15 years ago because he loves theater. And uh, he wants to support the theatrical arts. And so he and his daughter, uh, Kathleen, run it. And they produced my show. They produced my solo show there. So they gave us three weeks of rehearsal. And then I did a five-week run. And Paul and I got to realize this show, like the full vision that Paul had from day one of my show, which I didn't have because I was just in a panic that I was going to be telling family stories on a stage. But he had this vision of like a set and multiple projections and, and you know, different areas of the set where I would tell the story from and the lighting cues and the moments and the the full ride, the full package. And the Falcon afforded us that opportunity to do that. So I, I did it. And I was so going into it, you know, I finished writing my book last fall, October was when like the pages were done, done, done and in, in, in. And after writing my book, my thought about my solo show was, eh, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I mean, I've done the solo show enough, I'm mean, not not a ton, I didn't do a full tour of it or anything like that. But but as an artist, you know, having a need to tell my story, you know, really writing the book was really what I wanted to do. And, and I really, 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 really got a chance to tell my story in my book, which I can't hate, wait for you guys to read. Uh, five months, by the way, it's five months, people. Um, so, so then we but we booked this, this Falcon run. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to fucking tell this story five nights a week for five weeks. And I've never done anything like that. And I, I really thought, I don't think I can do this. So but I but I was committed and I was curious too to see what would happen. And I'm so glad that that we did do it. Um, because a with the three weeks of rehearsal, I got to discover something really, really cool, which is um, my acting process. I had taken plenty of acting classes had even attempted doing some scenes in acting classes. I'd never done a play. Uh, that was too daunting for me and and d did one small scene in a sitcom pilot for my dad. 
but basically avoided all of that most of my life for terror of it, for fear that I would fail, um, for not really understanding how the fuck to do it. You know, you go to these acting classes and there's all these techniques and there's all this exercises they make you do and you think, what the fuck does this have to do with anything and how do I apply it to a scene? And I never really felt... I always felt lost in acting class. In every scene I did, I always felt like I have no idea who this person is and how I'm connected to the material and how, should I be playing the person who's playing it or I didn't understand any of it. And yes, even though in my solo show I am playing myself, uh, Paul really asked of me and demanded of me that instead of telling my story, that I live the story on stage as one should in a theater. And so I got to access these parts of myself and these ways of getting to parts of myself and learning my own process of how to find the material inside of me and the emotion and how to access it and how to keep myself out of the way, um, which is really, truly what it's all about. And I know that sounds so cliche. You just have to get out of your own way. But it's just so fucking true. I can't even begin to tell you people. But I will. So I found that every night on stage, what I started to notice after the first week when I was just completely terrified and we were in dress rehearsals, not just rehearsals, we were in tech. No, we were in previews. That's what they call it. They call it previews. So the first week I got to be in previews. That's before like the, the critics show up and stuff like that. And everyone's working stuff out. We had over 300 cues for this show. There was so many videos and pictures and lights and stuff. And it's just, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was really immersive and, and amazing. And we're shooting the DVD. We'll get to that in a minute. And everyone will get to see it. So, but what I found after I figured out that I knew what, what I was doing and that I wasn't going to die by going out on stage and doing this um, was, I, it was like all of the mindfulness training that I had started 15, 16 years ago and theoretically understood it. And then when you're sitting on a cushion and you're doing sitting meditation and you're sitting there and you're focused on your breath and then all of a sudden you realize for the last five minutes you've been thinking about your grocery list and what you have to do and that the bathroom needs cleaning and that you need to call your aunt and all the things that you have to do. And then you go, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be focusing on my breathing that meditation experience, which everyone has, because if you meditate, that's the experience you have, because that is what the mind does. The key is always is to let go of going, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be breathing, and just kind of forgive yourself and just go back to your breath and just start back to yourself again. And so I learned in doing my show, I would watch how no, I wouldn't think of my grocery list on stage. I hadn't gotten to that. Although I think I've heard some people be able to do that. But I would be in like, what is next? Or, oh, I really supposed to be feeling this other thing right now, because this is the part where I'm talking about this thing. Any thought like that, that I was having meant that I was not really in the moment and in in the present moment. Because when you're in the present moment, you're actually not thinking about anything. You're just living. You're just in it. And so I watched this amazing dance of my mind go from, oh, I'm thinking about things to surrendering and learning to let go of that on a stage with people staring at me with me saying words while I'm thinking all of this to just relaxing and finding my way back into my body 
and really planting myself in the moment and really what am I feeling? And the show's 90 minutes long. So I probably did this mm, at least 200 times a show. <laughs> because, I mean, sometimes it would last longer. There was only one night in the 25 nights I did the show, there was one night where I walked off of stage and realized that I had been in the flow the entire time. That's how rare being in the flow is. Um, because, and I don't know why. And of course, I was so fucked the next night because I knew it was like, oh, well, you were in the flow all last night. Tonight. Maybe you can do that again. And the minute I had that thought, I said to myself, oh, Kelly, you're such a stupid fucking idiot. There's no way because now you've completely fucked yourself. And but I would find like I'd be in the flow in the first half. And then the second half of the show, I'd be in my head or I'd be in my head the first half. And then I in the flow in the second half. Or I'd have chunks where I'd be in the flow. And then I it was, it was just an astounding education in the power of what our ego, and ego, the way I'm couching that here is our strategic mind, the part of our mind that wants to have a strategy, control things, know what's going on, what's coming next, and looking really fucking good doing it, that part of our mind. I watched how you cannot conquer the ego. You can just know that it's there see it when it's coming, be aware of it when it's there, and learn a very personal way to let it go and to trust something bigger than yourself, bigger than the ego, to surrender to the flow. And this is for me, what it's all about you know, everything in life is about because we need an ego, we need an ego to, you know, go around the world and have a personality and function on the planet and drive a car and pay your taxes and, and write the solo show. I mean, you need you need an ego to do everything. But where it really gets in our way is when we're not, we need to surrender to the flow. And, and people were like, you know, how do you do that, Kelly? How do you surrender? How do you surrender? Here's the thing. Surrendering is um, you can't try to surrender and you can't make yourself surrender because surrendering is surrendering. <laughs> you have to, it's like jumping into the cold pool. You just have to fucking do it and see what happens and see that you're not going to die. And that I'm guessing nine out of 10 times, maybe even 10 out of 10 times, if you do surrender, something is going to appear, and something is going to rise out of the moment. And something is going to come out of you, or something is going to happen in an interaction that you could have never planned, you could have never thought of, you could have never rewritten before. And you are going to get a real sense of what life is, or performing is, or being just feeling alive. I mean, that's really what it is, is feeling alive. And, um, and it is, it's that it's, it's a real Zen Cohen, it really is, you know, the seeking mind cannot find the mind of the Buddha. Because the seeking mind is always seeking. And when you're in the mind of the Buddha, or the transcendent mind, there is no seeking there. 
So it's like, okay, well, that's fucked up. Then how the fuck do I get there if I can't seek? You have to give up seeking. You have to give up trying. You have to give up being something more than just being. You have to give up doing in some ways. It's weird. You have to do, but you have to give up doing. You have to give something up. You know, there's this uh, little phrase that they say in Zen Buddhism, um, nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be. Try that on every morning. I will say it again. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be. Ah, oh, just saying those three phrases, it's like everything drops off. I mean, really, people, if you really could really get this, that you have nowhere to go, you're here right now, nowhere to go. Yeah, there's a list of things. Yeah, there's places you're supposed to go. Drop it, drop it, drop it. Nothing to do. You don't have to do anything. You're all, you're all that is. It's it. Just you being here right now is it. And no one to be. You don't have to be that person you think you're supposed to be being all the time. Just drop the mask. Let it off. That. That's the flow. That's freedom. That's authenticity. That's the thing we're all striving towards. And you see that if we strive towards authenticity, how inauthentic that is, <laughs> because we're making a list of then what we think is authentic. And yet what's really authentic is the being the person you are, the thing you're doing when you have nowhere to go, nothing to do and no one to be. I know. It's so crazy. It, it makes the top of your head explode a little bit. I get it. I totally get it. Makes the top of my head explode too, completely. So yeah, so that's what the Falcon Roan gave me. It gave me a chance to really trust my deepest self and to trust the flow um, and to trust the people around me who look me in the eye and say, you are enough. This story is enough. This moment is enough. Um, you know, you, I hope all of you have people like that in your life who will look you in the eye and say that to you. If not, you got to get some new people in your life, because this is an essential part of living a quality life is having the people around you who you can trust, who will not blow fucking hot air up your ass, but will let you know you are enough. What you're doing is true and beautiful and good. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean you don't have more to learn. Uh, you know, it just means that it there's some there's some realness in it that all humans can connect to. Because that's ultimately what we're here to do, right, is to connect with each other, whether it's through your art, or through your work, or through your family, or through your service, or through your anything. We just want to know that we're here together, and that we're not alone. That's why we look in, into each other's eyes and go, okay, good, someone else is still here. Oh, good, thank God. So that's, that's the gift of the Falcon Run for me. It was just profound and incredible. And I want to thank Paul Provenza for, for believing in me for these last almost five years, 
and and believing in this project and and saying to me two years ago when I really wanted to be done and he said, oh no, Kelly, you're not done. You've, you haven't even really begun. And I used to think, oh, I fucking hate you, Paul Provenza right now because I so want to be done with this. But I get it now. I had to do the show in the level that it is. And, um, and so the cool good news is, is that mid-July, if all the right gods line up and everything gets lined up correctly, I'm completely 100% planning on shooting it over two nights here in LA for a DVD. Um, and that means DVD download, maybe we'll pre-sell it, maybe Netflix, maybe HBO, maybe Showtime, who knows? I don't know. It's, it's the interesting business. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm kind of not in charge of that. I don't like to be in charge of it, not attached to it. But what I am attached to is getting this version of the show, this beautiful version that the Falcon gave us the chance to do with a set designer and a projection designer and a lighting designer and a sound designer and a professional stage manager and this incredible incarnation of this show. We're going to record that, and that will be its posterity right there. And then it will get to be disseminated out to all of you fine people. And you will get a chance to share in it too, because I know so many of you have been encouraging me, and I'm so thankful for that and and just so hungry to see the show. So um, I'm excited for all of you to see it. Um, will I tour it live? I don't know. I just don't know. Because, you know, in a really big way, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the story. And if we get to shoot it on the DVD, then I know that you guys get to see it. The only reason I wouldn't be done is because I haven't been able to share it with everybody. But if I know that you guys will get a chance to see it and experience it, um, it's not exactly the same as live theater, but... I have to tell you, doing it over 25 days, over five weeks, almost fucking killed me. <laughs> and I know people go on Broadway, and they do Broadway shows for years and years. But there's usually big casts of people, and they're on stage for maybe 20 minutes. And even if it's a two-person play, and they're on stage for 90 minutes together, it's two people. So that's like 45 minutes of talking um, and carrying it emotionally. Uh, solo show, talking about... Every intense, emotional, scary, funny, joyful, horrific moment in your life is exhausting. And about three weeks through the run, I could feel my life force being drained out of me. It was that intense. So I don't have a long Broadway run in me. I just don't. I would have to do a different show. Like, not this show. Um, limited touring? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what comes our way. I can't promise anything. Um, but really, part of it is, is that I'm just done. So, and that's, it's scary for me to be done. I've been wanting to tell this story in book form or in show form since 1999. That's 16 years. 16 years. Um, you know, in this day and age, People come up with an idea and they make something and fuck it with Meerkat or Periscope. You're fucking live tweeting video. I mean, it's, things happen immediately. But this is part of the creative process. Um, I've been wanting, I've been telling these stories in one form or another for 16 years. Piecemeal, this piece, that piece, this piece, that piece, and that way, and this way. Um, and now I've told them all in one beautiful long arc and it feels great. 
And I can't wait for you guys to read the book and check that out. And and to to do that, to to have that, to share that with you. And um, but I'm done. And so that's scary because it in some ways it means I'm done with my dad. I mean, yeah, you're never done with your dad. I get that. But you know, I'm kind of done with this part of the story. And so it leaves this big, beautiful, terrifying, kind of open path ahead of me. And it doesn't include telling my stories about my family. Um, I mean, not, not that I'll never tell a story about my family again, but you know, I've got other work to do. It's what we do here on the podcast. You know, I, I bring up my dad, I bring up some stuff. And obviously, sometimes I have some conversations and he comes into them. But, but this place is about me and what I'm thinking about. It's like what Rain and I just talked about, you know, this is the shit that goes on in my mind. This is the shit I want to be talking about. This is what fuels me. And so I want to be doing more of that. And I'm have some ideas of what that looks like. But, you know, it's funny, a part of me is like, well, if I if I step a little bit away from the comedy world or step a little bit away from telling these stories, who's going to come with me? Who's in? Who's in with me? And that's kind of scary, you know, because it's kind of comforting to know that, you know, I've got some pals out there for all sorts of reasons. But it's also really, it's really um, nice because um, there's no obligation in this space. The only obligation is to be true to myself and to figure out what's the next part of the conversation and who wants to be a part of it. So will it be talking about culture? Yes. Politics? Yeah. The human journey? For sure. The creative process? For sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, this is a this is an evolution. This is a turning point for me. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I don't know what exactly the future holds. But, uh, you know, but hell, and I'll still be telling stories about my dad for the next year or so because I'll be fucking selling a book. <laughs> It'd be funny if I refuse to talk about my dad while I'm trying to do sell my book. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I won't talk about my father right now. Yeah, you just have to read the book. End of interview. That would be awkward. Um, you know, if Terry Gross calls me and wants to talk to me on Fresh Air, I will tell some fucking stories to Terry Gross. No, no doubt. Um, because I'm a whore underneath it all, really. No. (laughs) So, but yeah, so I'm in this kind of crossroads. Um, but it feels exciting and it feels, you know, it feels like that self-actualized moment where you walk away from your family of origin. You guys know that. You know, for whatever reason, you've had to walk away from your background, your stories, the stories you grew up with, the the stories that shaped you, um, the family myth, the maybe even the, the myth that's still alive in your family, you know, that you only go to see your family once a year, Thanksgiving, because you have moved on so much that you no longer fit in the mythology anymore. Um we all walk away from our family of origin. And uh, in, in this way, by having this book done and this Falcon show done, I'm walking away too. So uh, feeling very normal about that. I feel very normal for the first time in a long time. I get to fucking walk away from my family of origin story. 
My therapist is not happy because I'm no longer going to my therapist every week right now. I said to him, you know, I need to go every other week. I need to walk away from my therapy a little bit too now. Not that I haven't walked away before. All right. So that's my story about the Falcon Run. And um, so I'm going to leave you with a couple things. First, I'm going to promote a couple of things, one of which is my Sirius XM show, uh, been getting amazing guests lately. Uh, Logan's sitting here with me because he and I just had an experience of a lifetime two weeks ago. Uh, I went and interviewed Norman Lear, and <laughs> it was one of the most profound hours of both of our lives. And that'll be on the first uh, Sunday of the month over at um, on Raw Dog Comedy on my on, on Sirius XM with my show, The Kelly Carlin Show. Um, but here's a really cool thing that I get to do. I've been hired to be a keynote speaker at the American Humanist Association's National Conference in Denver, Colorado, uh, May 7th through the 10th. I will be speaking on Sunday, May 10th, which is Mother's Day, which we all know for me is a big bucket of emotion because my mother died on Mother's Day. So it's always a big day. Um, but I'm very excited because I'm going to be speaking to a group full of humanists. And um, maybe next week I'll talk a little bit about the amazing insanity I've been going through around all of that and my relationship with atheism and humanism and my spiritual path and all of that. So that'll be nice and juicy. But I'm very excited because uh, I will be telling some family stories, but it'll be about my journey in finding my own truth and being willing to speak my own truth. And for a lot of humanists, that is a journey that, as you know, you were all on because many of you came from families where you couldn't speak your truth because of your family's religion. So, and you couldn't live your truth. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to use my journey and my story, a lot of it that's from my show, to, to have it with this particular angle on it. So I'm thrilled and I'm honored I get to do my first keynote speech. I'm so excited because this is really the post family story thing part of my life. This is a big part of it is I want to travel the world and and speak to the world about the things that haunt me and that I think about just like I do on the podcast here and write about those things. I'm very excited, very honored and thrilled that the American Humanist Association has hired me. And so it's AmericanHumanistAssociation.org. Go check it out. If you're in Colorado, come see me in Denver. If you're a humanist or if you don't even know what the fuck a humanist is and you don't believe in God, then you probably are a humanist because I wasn't sure because I don't really believe in God. I mean, we all know that. I don't believe in this guy, the father sky beard thing. But I have a real interesting relationship with the world and the planet and being a human and this journey. So I went online and I read about what a humanist is and how all humanists are atheists, but not necessarily all atheists are humanists. It's a really big, wide umbrella, too. It's very interesting. Go check it out. Go check out the reading. You're probably a humanist. You should probably come to the conference and hang out with me. I'll be there Saturday, Sunday. I'll do my thing on Sunday. It'll be fun. Um, so that is that. Very excited about that. And I'm working on that. Um, next week, I will be at the Nerdist. Uh, no, Nerd Melt, not the Nerdist, um, doing a story show called Risk! Exclamation point podcast. I'll be doing a story for the theme whoops, because, um, you know, who doesn't have a good whoops story? And my big whoops story is my first marriage. So I'll be talking all about that. And so what I want to leave you with today, guys, is um, I get these really groovy emails from this guy called Rod MacGyver, Roderick MacGyver. 
not MacGyver, like MacGyver, MacGyver. He's a painter. And uh, he used to have this zine. Remember the used to be zines, those little zines you get in the mail, little zine, um, called Heron Dance. And he's a beautiful watercolor painter. And he went around the world, went around the country and interviewed people who had basically opt out of the American dream and were artists or craftsmen of some way. And he talked to them about their simplified life and how they lived. Always profound conversations. But I get a little email from him every day. And he kind of clues you into some sort of either it's a line or a quote or something like that. And today's was so wonderful that I wanted to steal it from him, but giving him full credit. And it's Roderick MacGyver and it's M-A-C capital I-V-E-R, Roderick MacIver. All right, so I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to think about this. So he says, in appreciation of those who responded to Tuesday's Pause for Beauty, request for feedback that they would like journaling prompts here, here is one from Thomas Merton, from his autobiographical novel originally entitled The Journal of My Escape from the Nazis. Wow, right? First of all, holy shit, I want to read that. Published after his death as My Argument with the Gestapo, in which Merton hunts for his inner self in the bombed out sections of London and occupied France and avoids the Nazis by going right into their midst. In the passage below, Merton is being interrogated by British intelligence, quote, if you want to identify me, he says to the British officers who are questioning him. Ask me not where I live, or what I like to eat, or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I think I am living for in detail, and ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. Between these two answers, you can determine the identity of any person. So as a living into prompt, as a journal prompt, whatever kind of a prompt you want today, this week, I'm going to ask you these questions. What are you living for? And really articulate it, really drill down and figure out in detail, what are you living for? And then of course, the second question maybe even the more important question is, what is keeping you from living fully for the thing or things you want to live for? That's the question of the week. All right, you fine folks. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, coming back and hearing me. I'm excited to be back. We're going to line up some great people in the next few months to talk to. Thank you, of course, to everyone at Smodcast who keeps the lights on. And uh, thank you uh, once again, and always Logan for coming out and playing, spinning the tunes and pushing the buttons and um, making it all um, seem like we know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> all right, you guys, talk to you soon. Keep it in your ears. Bye. is made of glass it wants for you to look straight through 
This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Hey, Education Andy here to tell you about our upcoming show at Pasadena's famous Ice House. Saturday night, May 9th, Kevin Smith and I will be bringing you our special blend of cocktail party facts and fun. You just buy your tickets at csmod.com, show up, and sit there while we talk. They have chairs and wait staff and drinks and food and everything. Live education shows are special because we always do a fun experiment. Maybe you'll be one of the test subjects. Who knows? And when I ask who knows, I really just mean it rhetorically, so don't try to answer that. Go to csmod.com right this very instant. Scroll down to the education ad on May 9th and click to buy tickets. See you there.